welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of August 2010, entitled The Secret Place of the Most High, and the Bible reading is Psalm 91. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's precious and holy word, beginning in Psalm 91 and verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide of the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth in noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked." Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. We shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Our Father and our God, we do thank you so very much, Lord. Lord, that we can approach thy throne this evening as the only way that we ever can, and that's in and by the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can be gathered together in your house this evening for each one that you've given health and strength and opportunity to be here. Thank you for your word, Lord, that we've just read from. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. Father, that you've promised will give us clear understanding And Lord, we pray right now that you would take and through the power of your Spirit, Lord, that you would make these words and quicken them and make them alive into our hearts. You know the hearts of each individual here this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would do that work that only you can do, and you'll receive all the glory and all the honor for it. In Christ's precious and holy name, I pray, amen and amen. Well, I said this morning that I was probably going to ruffle a few feathers, and I probably did. And uh, uh, so you're going to get blessed this evening because since I was so mean in preaching this morning, I started to say I'm going to be sweet and I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to be short. But I thought it or not because I probably won't end up being any of them. But uh, I do pray that uh, God would bless you because we really want to just meditate upon one of the Psalms this evening. And most writers, most commentators would agree that most likely, though we're not told specifically, 
It's usually Moses that is accredited to uh, writing the, the 91st Psalm here. And of course, as we look here, I'd like us just to look down at a few things. I want us just to think on this simple thought that really the, the title, if you would, of the thought is taken right from verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. I want us to think about this secret place of the Most High that the psalmist is writing about here. You see, we know that there is this secret place that we can, can dwell. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. I think that we find that that is an intimate place that we can be with the Lord, that we can have that confidence in His divine protection. Now, I think that because of where this falls here and that so many that we know that, that some of the things that are written here will be absolutely fulfilled 100% during the millennium reign of Christ when He is here upon this earth. But I also believe that as we look that God has given us these things, that we can be reminded of the hand of God upon each and every one of our lives. And the truth is, is that we can count on Him. There is this secret place of the Most High. He says here, "...shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." You see, the first thing he tells us about this secret place that is on high is that that is where the Almighty is present. He goes on to say that, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. In other words, if we think of a place of refuge, we think of a, a place of safety, a place that we can, can flee to. We find difference. We find even cities of refuge in the, in the Old Testament that people were able to get to these cities of refuge, and it was a place that they could flee to for safety. We find that one of the things that we know about this secret place on high is that as the Lord is there, that He, the Almighty, He is the one that is our refuge, the place of safety that we can always go to. But not just the refuge. Notice the psalmist says, and my fortress. In other words, it's not just the place that we can hide, but it's a a place of defense. It's a place where we can go and once we get there that we can be safe. We find that, that the word that's used here in, in the psalm that describes a fortress is the same word that was used for the commander in a military situation in the Old Testament because guess where the commander's tent was always at? Right in the very middle of the camp where they had to get through everybody else in order to get to him. That was the strongest place that he could possibly be in this world. And of course, as, this, as we find here that as the psalmist is writing, he says that there is a secret place on high where the Almighty is, where I can flee to Him for my refuge, where I can feel safe and, and know that I, I'm defended there by Him. And of course, he tells us exactly, my God, that's who He is, that's who the Almighty is, in Him will I trust. We notice as he goes on in the next two verses, he says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler, safe from the snare of the fowler. What did the fowler do? Well, he set up his traps unaware. He was the one that set his traps up in secret and quietly, and there were no warnings. The whole idea was to catch someone unaware. And of course, we know that the old fowler is out there and would like to, to snare us. He will set his traps quietly. 
But the Bible says, he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. We find that if you look into the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 6, of course, as the Apostle Paul was writing here to, to young Timothy, we find that he speaks and describes this world and its riches and many of the things, I guess, when we often think of traps, we think just of Satan and what he might do. But oftentimes, Satan doesn't have to even get bothered. The traps are already set all around us. Notice what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. He says, But godliness and contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they will be rich, fall into temptation, and a, that same word, snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, and until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his times he shall shew who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them the rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing erred, concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. You see, there are snares all around us. Young Timothy was being warned here that it's many times the things of this world that will draw men away, that men will be drawn away from the more important things because they see the things of this world as that which is necessary for their happiness and their enjoyment. Paul said, Timothy, don't be caught in that trap. And stand up and declare to them, there's something far more important. There's something that has eternal consequences here. And so many times, if they're not careful, their love, their desire, their covetousness for the things of this life will be a snare to them, a trap to them for the better things. Of course, he also mentions here in these verses, noisome 
pestilence literally refers to a speaking out of the wrath of God. Of course, we think of dreaded diseases and plagues and epidemics and all of these things, these things that bring death and destruction. Of course, there's so many passages that we could look at. What I want you to realize here is that the Bible is telling us that He, the Almighty, in this secret place of the Most High, He will deliver one from those noisome pestilences that would come along to destroy them. We're safe, he says, under his wings. We find, of course, when the Bible speaks of him being like a mother hen and her chicks, and she'll protect those chickens no matter what. He's going to take care of them. She uses her wings to conceal the babies, to protect them, even nourish them. And, of course, that's what our God, the Almighty, will do for us. And, of course, we find this great truth in here that he says, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Look with me, if you would, into Ephesians chapter 6. And, of course, this is a familiar passage for us. It's a passage that we have looked at a number of times because in our February meeting every year, this is the theme of that meeting, putting on the whole armor of God. We hear that if we begin reading in verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance, supplication for all saints. We find that we live in a society, as we talked of this morning, we talked a bit about the power and how that people and businesses and nations and, and everybody wants power. But the truth is, is that no man can ever begin to acquire the power that can even begin to compare to the power of our God in heaven, the holder of all power of the universe. We find that as we look at these verses here, that we are encouraged and we are told that we are in a battle. But again, as we look time and time again, you know the same thing with that power many times in this world. Many would look around and if they were in trouble, they would think that they might have a, a powerful weapon to be able to defend themselves. And yet so many times laying on the shelf at home, we have the most powerful weapon in all of the universe. This is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, that can stand against not just the, the devils of this world, but against those literally devils in high places. We're fighting a spiritual battle. We have right here our protection, and we have right here our weapon that we can fight against it but yet it must be used. Just knowing that it's there 
just knowing that it can do this and it can do that, we're commanded here to put on the whole armor of God. It's something that is practical for each and every one of us. We find the psalmist here in Psalm 91. He has that confidence in the truth, in knowing the protection that it brings to him. We're looking quickly here. Notice what he says in verses 5 to 8. He says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You know, one thing that as human beings that people need in order to be happy, in order to have true joy, it's that thing of security. When people are insecure, that's one of the things with children. And we find that today many, many children are unhappy because they have no security, because they have no discipline, because they have no moms and dads that are being real parents to them. They're just running right and doing their own thing. But they need boundaries. They need an area where they can feel secure. We find that as Christians, we need to be able to feel that security. He says, thou shalt not be afraid. You see, there is no fear in the secret place of the Most High. No fear of anything, terror, errors, pestilence, destruction. We could go through all these things, and I think that it's absolutely God in Himself that He's giving this to us, that many of these things are generalities that can cover such a wide area because He wants to get the picture across here that you do not have to be afraid of anything at any time, night or day, darkness or high noon, in any circumstances whatsoever, even when there's danger all around, even when here people are, are falling like flies. You see it, but they can't harm you. You don't have to be afraid. If you're in the secret place of the Most High, if you're in the center of God's will, if you're where God wants you to be, if you're there with Him, with His protection, he says, even when you see all this destruction and others being destroyed all around you, I like what he said there in verse 8, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You're going to see it. You're going to see it happening. But you do not have to be afraid if you're in the secret place of the Most High. We find that we could look time and again in history if you look at the nation of Israel over and over and over again, we can see the nation of Israel right there in, in Egypt. We can see when, when all the Egyptians all around them were completely destroyed and yet God's people were protected. The truth is, is that we can have that kind of confidence in the secret place of the Most High. He says, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Do you remember somebody that misquoted or used that passage out of context? Who was none other than Satan himself when he was tempting the Lord Jesus Christ on the mountain? He says, They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. 
the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You see, when you're in the secret place of the Most High, the Bible says here that no evil will befall you. In the secret place of the Most High, even though that there are plagues all around, those plagues don't have to touch you. It's said when we think of the providence of the Lord, that in that providence, there's really a threefold providence. Sometimes God's providence is present to keep us from danger. And of course, many of you could probably find your own illustrations. I can remember back, for example, one that I am absolutely confident with everything within me, and you can think what you want, but I believe it was God's providence keeping our family safe. We hadn't been in this country less than six months we were on our way to a, to a youth rally up in Stoke-on-Trent. And right out here on the, on, on the M6, we had a horrendous car accident that wrote the car off. And, you know, I can still remember, I can still remember, I guess, the, the father's natural influence, in, uh, instincts as we saw this happening. And it was almost like it was happening in slow motion. We went into that car. I remember my natural instinct was, to throw my arm up because at that time we had five children in the back seat. There weren't any such thing as having to have seat belts on then, and there weren't any such thing as car seats, and there were five of them across back there. And my natural instinct as I saw that we were going to hit was to throw my arm up to protect them. But you know what? That accident was a lot bigger than me. And the next thing I had was this, this horrible fear as I felt my arm being literally forced back. And, of course, it was our oldest son, Gavin, that was sitting in the middle of the back, and Gavin was coming straight forward, straight through, and it was like my arm was nothing. And I saw him, you know, literally, I could see this happening, couldn't stop anything about it as I saw him heading into that, into that windscreen. But, folks, to this day, you can think what you will, with all that force that I couldn't even hold back. And yet when he hit that windscreen, it's just like he just stopped and came back the way. I know that was God's hand. There was no rational explanation for that whatsoever. Everything within me was tied into knots. I was so afraid of what was going to happen. And yet God's providence was there at that point to keep us from danger. You know, that car was a mess when it was finished. And, you know, in the end, Danny had some pretty bad bruises and the kids had some pretty bad bruises, but nobody was seriously injured. God's providence in that situation kept us from danger. We find in Scripture, and again, for the sake of time, you know the stories already. God's providence can be there in danger. You see, the truth was is that Daniel was in the lion's den. God didn't keep him from the lion's den, but he kept him while he was in there with the lions. We find that we could look back, and we're all familiar with the story of, of three Hebrew children. Folks, they were in the fire. God's providence didn't keep them out of the fire, but he was with them in the fire. And he protected them while they were in the fire. God's providence protects from danger, in danger. You know, sometimes he even protects us by danger. We could look back at the story of Jonah and the whale. <laughs> Being in a whale's belly is not a nice place to be, but Jonah was in the whale. He was there. And, of course, he faced that danger. What about Joseph when he was thrown into the pit? What about Joseph when he was sold into slavery? And yet God's hand of providence was right there. God's plan was at work. It was for his good. Joseph told his brothers later, you meant it for my harm, but God meant it for good. 
God's hand was upon him even amidst all of that. Paul had that thorn in the flesh. He said he prayed at least three times. This was, this was an apostle. This was a man that had special gifts of an apostle that the people haven't had since. He could heal others, but he couldn't heal himself of that thorn in the flesh. Why? Because he said God had kept there for his own pride so that he'd start getting too big for himself and thinking too highly because here he was. God was using him, and he was showing him these visions, and he was doing these things, and I might have gotten too big for myself. But God kept this thorn there for a reason. You see, what we need to realize here, folks, is, is sometimes God keeps us flint. Sometimes God will keep us right in the midst of it. And sometimes God actually uses these things for our benefit and for our good and for His good. But we shouldn't be afraid. If we're in the secret place of the Most High, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter what we see with our eyes. We can know in our hearts, we can know that we've got a God, that His hand is upon us and that He's taking care of us. He says here that He even assigned angels to take care of you. The Bible says sometimes that we entertain angels unawares. Of course, that's a subject all its own, but the truth is, is that God is there. Sometimes He uses His agents. Sometimes He uses things that we don't even recognize them until it's too late in the secret place even the most fearsome monsters. And I don't know that as you read through this and you read about a lion and an adder. <laughs> Anybody ever been face to face with a lion? <laughs> no? What about an adder? Of course, we just usually call them snakes. Well, in, in fact, here is probably the Egyptian cobra that he was talking about. Put your face to face with a cobra and see what you think. <laughs> the fact is, is that we know, and again, we know that during the millennial reign, this is going to be reality here upon this earth. But the fact is, is that right now, in the secret place of the Most High, remember, Satan tried to use this to get Jesus to do something foolish. And Jesus said, you know, tempt not the Lord thy God. The truth is, is that we've got many people today that are doing pretty crazy, foolish things. I don't want to be any part of those services where they're playing with their snakes and doing those things to, to prove what God is. I don't find that that's scriptural. But the truth is, you might end up in places where it's just as fearsome as an old cobra that's sitting there. The truth is, you can have confidence in God. You can have confidence in God. He's the one that's in control. He's the one that can look out for you. These next verses, I don't know if you noticed when we we're reading through it the first time, verses 14 to 16 here, it changes. Because all the way down, the first 13 verses, it's him talking about him and the Most High. But certainly in verses 14, 15, and 16, it's God that's doing the speaking then. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Why? Are we so safe and secure in this secret place of the Most High? Which is exactly, he's the one that told us, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, he's the one that can count upon all these things. Why? Because God just tells us right here. Number one, because we set our love upon him. Because he has set his love upon me. God says, because he has set 
his love upon me. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. You see, there's a lot of people out there that know the name Jesus. <laughs> but to know intimately, these are in the secret place of the Most High because they have set their love upon him, because they know his name, because they call upon him, he says. We find that, again, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30, the Bible talks about loving him with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. Again, I'm not going to go back and, and get mean like I did this morning, but the simple truth is there aren't many people that love God that way. There's too many other things that are crowding out. He doesn't have all of their heart. He doesn't have all of their mind. He doesn't have all of their soul, all of their strength. Too often, there's other things that are competing for it. We find that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, the apostle Paul said, for me to live. For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. We talked about that a little bit this morning. We talked about that fact that really, when it's that power, that miraculous power that can only be accredited to God Himself, it brings with it that power, that witness, which is a martyrdom witness, one that is not afraid. If standing up for the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, if it's going to cost Him His very life, and yet we find that here, as the psalmist is writing, there's a secret place of the Most High where we've just, we've just rushed through. There's so many things here. He's showing us there's a place, a secret place of the Most High where we don't have to be afraid, where we can have absolute confidence, where we can be at absolute peace and joy no matter what the circumstances. Folks, we look around us. We can become so discouraged. The world around us is wicked. The simple truth is, and I don't say this boastfully or pridefully, the simple truth is there aren't many churches you can go to that aren't wicked, that haven't turned away from the truth. They're not, a, they're not willing to stand there anymore because it might offend somebody. The truth is, as we look around us, we can see even in our own governments, we can see in the nations that one time at least acknowledged God where that we live in a day when they're denied that when they're told that they're not to pray in the name of Jesus, when they're told that they're not to be able to, to stand up and proclaim something that might be offensive to somebody else. We're living in those days. We find that we can look out and we can see sin abounding. But the simple truth is, I want you just to be reminded this evening about the secret place of the Most High where you can be where you need not be afraid. You don't have to be a part of what's going around. Yes, you can see it, but you can be in a place in the secret place of the Most High where you can know that God's the one that's there, where you can know that truly all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. You can know with certainty that He'll never leave, that He'll never forsake you, no matter what's happening around you. You can know with certainty that He'll be there to always supply your need, whatever it is, wherever it's at. You see, he says he's doing this because we love him with all of our heart. We know him. We call upon him. 
He delivers us. He says he, he sets us on high. He answers our prayers. When we're in trouble, he's there to deliver us. He even talks about blessing them with long life and showing my salvation. He says, I want to ask you two questions in closing. All of this is there for those in the secret place of the Most High. What is the secret place on high? What is that place, that place of refuge, that place that's secret from the enemy, that place that's a fortress that's all the defense that we need, that place where, you know, we sang that song earlier, El Shaddai. Right here in the beginning of Psalm 91, we find that there are four different names that are given to us there for God. We sing about some of them. We sing about El Elyon. Well, the first time you see there, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, that Most High in the Hebrew is El Elyon. It's the name of God, literally the, the possessor of heaven and earth, of everything the place that is inhabited by God himself, the God who owns it all, the Most High, nobody higher. You know, he, he, he brings that picture to us. We need to, to grasp in this very name of God. He is the Most High. We don't have to be afraid because there is nothing nor anybody that is higher than him. We find that he uses another name for him, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, the Most High is the one that's there, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty. That's the El Shaddai. <laughs> that's the El Shaddai that we sing about. He is the Almighty, the God that is our provider, that provides all, that He owns it all, and He can, he can use it all to provide for His need. The secret place of the, of the Most High. The secret place the Almighty, the El Shaddai. And then, of course, you find in the second verse, I will say of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord, Jehovah. The personal name of God, His most holy name that the early writers would not even speak it. We find that this is the self-existent one, the one that is immutable, that never changes, the one that doesn't need anything or anybody except himself in order to exist. Jehovah God, the Most High, the Almighty, the Lord. And then notice, in my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Elohim. Elohim. God the Creator. God the Great Three in One, the All-Powerful, the One who speaks and it is. You see, that's who's here in this place of the Most High. We find that literally in the Old Testament, the great picture of it would have been the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat, the most holy place in that tabernacle. The inner chamber was the most secret place of the Most High. It was entered once a year by the high priest. He had to carry that blood atonement in when he went. You see, that secret place 
was the dwelling place of God on earth. The secret place of the Most High. What is it? I'm saying to you this evening, the secret place of the Most High is the dwelling place of God. Of God. El Elyon, the Most High. El Shaddai, the Almighty. Jehovah God. Elohim. The great three in one. That's, that's what the secret place of the Most High is. How can we be there? How can we be in such a place that we can have the confidence that this can be a reality to us? I mean, the truth is, most of the time as Christians, we know we're not supposed to be afraid. We know we're supposed to trust in God. We know that God's in control. We know that He's all-powerful. We know that He's going to protect us. We know it as facts. But too often, we don't know it in here. We don't live accordingly. It's knowledge. What I'm saying as Christians this evening, Christians, you can be in a place in the secret place of the Most High where God Himself abides, that there need be no fear, no matter what is going on around you, no matter what you see with your physical eyes, not because that you can control it, not because that you can do anything about it, but because you're there with God, and He can control it, and He can do something about it, and He is not going to allow You know that the devil can't do a thing without God allowing it. He's never had the upper hand of God. We find that, I would have said I wanted to ask you a second question. If that place, if that place is the abiding place of God Almighty Himself, how can we enter there? Three requirements. Three requirements. I started them all with an S, so it won't take a whole lot of imagination. The first one is you must be saved. That's the only place, that's the only way you could enter in. You know, even that priest could not enter into the Holy of Holies without the blood atonement. Folks, you cannot enter into the presence of God, into this secret place on high. You cannot enter there unless you've been saved. You can only enter through Jesus Christ and His blood atonement. He is now our high priest. He's the one that put His blood upon that mercy seat. He's your only access. It's through, as we sing that first song, it's through the blood of the cross, saved by the blood. There is no other way. There's nothing else that will atone for your sins. So here this evening, I'm saying to you, very simple, you can't have this confidence. This is wonderful, exciting promises for the child of God here. But if you're going to be in the secret place, this place that you can have this confidence, that you can do away with those fears, if you're going to be in the secret place, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, if you're going to dwell there, the first thing you better know with absolute certainty, absolute certainty. Folks, I know you hear me say it enough, but I'll never say it enough times. There is nothing in the world that you need to be more certain of there's too many people that are going to go straight to hell off of church pews and church chairs. They sit there and they've got all the religion, they've got all the facts, they've got all the knowledge, they've got it all up here, but not in here. There's only one place that you can have this. That's in the secret place of the Most High where God is. The only way you can be in God's presence is through the blood. First of all, salvation. 
Second of all, sanctification. You see, no sin can enter there. <laughs> no sin can enter in. Everything must be under the blood. We've talked about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. simple fact is there's a couple of things. In order to go in by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it takes repentance. It takes turning away from that sin. But once you've turned away from that sin and once you've experienced salvation, we've been seeing the only way, the only way, the only righteousness that's of any account is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that you can live a holy and righteous life is through His power, not your own, not in yourself, not in the flesh. In the secret place of the Most High, we need, first of all, we need to be saved. But then we need to be sanctified. We need to be set apart from this world and the sin and the things that are there. We need to be living in Christ and in His power and His might that's living within us. Because sin separates us from God. Even as a child of God, when you allow sin to creep into your life, it'll destroy your prayer life. It'll destroy your fellowship. If you're not careful, it'll destroy you. The Bible says that it's possible to be turned over to Satan for destruction of the flesh that the soul might be saved in the day of the Lord. You can't make light of sin in your life. There is a secret place, Brother Steve, the secret place of the Most High where we can live lives like this that we need not be afraid and we can have all of this confidence in Him. But to enter there, you can only enter by salvation, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can only go there through sanctification, being set apart and separated from sin. I may say, not only to be saved and to be sanctified, but you must be surrendered. You see, he's talking about dwelling there. Talked enough about this lately. We've talked in 10 sermons on the Holy Spirit in our series that we're still going through. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not getting more of God. It's God getting more of you. It's that yielding yourself. It's giving Him total control. We find that if we're going to live in the presence of God Almighty. We need to be saved, sanctified, and surrendered to Him. Dwelling there under the shadow of the Almighty. How close is the shadow? That's pretty close, isn't it? Have you ever been here in your shadow over there somewhere? Nope. You can't get any closer than your own shadow. And this probably meant something even more special to the folks in this part of the world. Let me tell you, there's some hot, arid, dry places there that just a piece of shadow sometimes, a little bit of shade in everything in the world, protecting them from the elements, from all that's there, under the shadow, right there in the shadow of our Lord. That's where He wants us, right there under His wings as He pictured here, dwelling, remaining there, living there. How do we enter? Well, folks, it doesn't take rocket science. It doesn't take a, theolo- a, a degree in theology. We know that there's only one pathway to salvation, for by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You see, the only way to get to God's grace is through faith. That's the only pathway. How do we enter we enter by faith. I give you the last couple of verses. 
In Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Look back just a few verses in Hebrews chapter 10. And notice what he says beginning there in verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. How? By the blood of Jesus. By new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, Bible also tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've heard it said many times by many people probably, you can't get any more right than the blood makes you. You can't get any more right than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of straightening up and doing better. It's have our bodies washed with pure water by the Word of God. The Bible says He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm not talking about waiting on some kind of a a feeling or an emotion. I'm talking about enjoying the very presence of God and being in fellowship with Him, that you're that close with Him, that you know that He's there, that you're right there under His wings, that you're right there in His shadow. Find that Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Christians, just a reminder this evening, we don't have to be afraid in this world. We live in a terrible world, a sinful world. And it's not getting better as we look around us. And guess what? It's not going to get better until Jesus Christ comes and sets up his kingdom. But we don't have to be part of it. The truth is, is that we know that Christendom is a whole. Isn't that the Odyssean church age? Just lukewarm. But we can still be a faithful Philadelphian church in the midst of it. I'm saying this evening, this is a promise. This will be the living reality upon all of this earth during the millennial reign. But it can be a living reality in your life right now. You can have that same confidence. You can know it just as certain. If you're in the secret place of the Most High, if you're in the presence of Almighty God, if you're right there with Him, and as Christians, that's where we ought to be, right there in His shadow, right there under His wings, knowing that He's the one that's protecting us, knowing all of these things that we see here, that He's our refuge, that He's our fortress, not depending upon me, not depending upon anybody else, but Him, and knowing we're there with Him. Father, 
We thank you for this evening, Lord, as we've looked and just skimmed over some things that, Lord, there's so much that we could have talked about here. But, Father, just as a reminder, Lord, to your children here this evening, first of all, that, Lord, there is a place, this secret place of the Most High, right there in your presence, in the Holy of Holies, which we enter now by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we stay there by keeping that sin washed away. Father, we can only truly know your presence in his fullness by getting self out of the way and surrendering ourselves completely to you. God, may these words be an encouragement and a strength to the believers. Lord, I realize full well that even here tonight in this small congregation that there could be those that are here this evening that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I know that there's possibly those here this evening Maybe they've had their hopes built upon something else. But I pray that if there's anyone here that is in condition this evening, that, Lord, you're the only one. By the power of your Spirit, would you speak to their hearts? Would you convict them and show them their lost condition? Would you point them to Jesus Christ? Would you show them, Lord, that here this evening they need a Savior, that he's waiting with outstretched arms? Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.